When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Sports Complex, afternoons 5 to 7. Hell yeah! On the horn. Hour two here on the Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon. We'll get into some NFL talk, coaching change for the Bills. Another injury, some bad injury news for the Cowboys. Some NBA games tonight. Spurs versus Thunder, Mavericks versus Pelicans, Clippers versus Nuggets. We can get into all of that. Coming up here in hour two of the Sports Complex. We may play you some more sound from Hook'em Up with Ian Rod B. Two talking about Dak Prescott, talking about this Texas Coast offense and the Dallas Cowboys. Some positivity about the Dallas Cowboys there from the guys. So we always like to, you know, a little positivity. It's Tuesday. Gotta be doing a positive. It's early in the week. We're getting there. We're almost in a holiday week next week, even though I didn't realize it was a holiday week next week. No one nice see the years going and then you just forget what time of year it is, and then you're already there. And now you know, but we'll get there. We'll, we'll make it, we'll make it through the holiday season. Text signs open. 512-447-3776. 512-447-3776. The poll of the day is Texas underperformed, overperformed, or been on track with your preseason expectations and predictions. So let that be. And I know some of you guys may be changing the script on them, maybe making an in-game adjustment, unlike Sark does. Maybe you're doing that. I get that. Do you think this team can compete? In a college football playoff, do you think they compete with some of the top teams in the country? If they were to get there, the the the, the pieces were to fall the way they, whatever way they fall, would the Texas have a shot? Can they compete in that? Can they do that? Send that in five one two four four seven three seven seven six. Also, if you want to talk some NBA, if you got any t- NFL talk you want to put in there, any hot takes, we always want hot take on the text line, so you can send that in there as well. Uh, getting back to the text line, my man Bo says. Uh, this is a 12-win team, yes. I think they can compete in the college football playoff, but I think they're underperforming by keeping these games close. They have the talent and coaching to be dominant in each game. I, I Yeah, I think they should. I wouldn't say use the word dominant. I think they should be winning them by more. I, I would still, I like even in closing these games out, I still would expect the other team to come back. I don't think you're going to have, you know, uh, 6 to 40 scores and those things. I don't think that's really where Texas is at right now. But I do think you could win these games, uh, thirty-eight to you know twenty-one or something like that. That's a little bit more reasonable score where you're still winning, and we don't all have to sweat on game day. Uh, this text says, "I think we have overperformed. We continue to take our foot off the gas, lose all momentum, and we're lucky to hang on." The good news is we can compete with anybody. If we don't let up. The key is, as we saw with OU. To have the ball last, don't score with more than a minute on the clock. Yeah, that and that's somewhat is in in a lot of teams and a lot of things in football now, where the, just the way the the game is called, it seems to be a lot easier to get the ball downfield. It's easier to get that pass interference. It's easier to get that shot downfield. And offensive pass interference is not called in it. I mean, we if you remember that West Virginia Houston game earlier in the year, that was completely nuts at the end of the game. Uh, but yeah, I I appreciate your first time texter. I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, I pre- I think we have, 
I, I think we're either on track or overperformed so far this season. I know it hasn't always looked like it, but wins are wins. And would you rather say we won? We're we're eight and two right now, and we dominated eight games and blew two, and we were dominating two. Or would you rather have the season we're having? I think you'd rather say, well, every game was kind of close, and we had a couple blowouts in there. We had a couple games. We had Baylor, and you had a you had a BYU. You had some games that were kind of you know you you handled your your business in, and some others you didn't. But I'd rather have that than one more loss and like four more blowouts. I don't want that one more loss. I get everybody wants whatever, you know, the, the top of the line, but I don't know if that's always there. Uh, Lucas, did anyone ask Sark about the fourth down attempts? He's been asked plenty of times about him. Uh, he was actually asked about uh, the nice way he was asked about it this week was he was asked uh, if Brett Auburn being Brett Auburn being able to kick field goals and hit field goals makes him more likely to do it. He said not really, uh, but I think he does know. I think he does know, and, and uh, a I think he's he knows that he is not being able to do. He keeps saying the same phrase, which he keeps saying, "Be able to run the ball when the other team knows we are." And it's it's just this this really I I can't stand it at this point in the season because of how many times he's run into a brick wall and then wondered why we weren't able to push a brick wall over. You're like, well, there's eight of them and five of you. That's it. You're just gonna lose that. You have to be smarter than that. You're being stubborn at that point. Uh, his texture says, prior to books getting injured, I would say that you could compete in the playoff. Now, I'm not sure. Uh, uh, you all said they're performing about as I expected, predicted 11-1 this season. I didn't think they'd lose to either Alabama or Oklahoma. I figured we'd have another road game loss. Hoping that I'm wrong on that now. Beat ISU. Yeah, and I think losing Brooks, we're going to see how much of an impact that is. It's going to be a big impact. We'll see how much. Uh, against Iowa State, but yeah, you're gonna have to throw the ball in Iowa State as well, and you know you're gonna have you're just gonna have to be able to do it. So we'll see if this now opens if it opens up the run game if they back off because people were worried about Jonathan Brooks and maybe they back off and allows a CJ Baxter and a Jaden Blue to get some explosive plays out of the backfield. Uh, it makes it a little bit harder in the passing game, or if they line up to completely try and shut down this passing game, and it means Quinn is gonna be able to go over the top on them. Uh, this text says, I think they can compete, especially if they have time to prepare. Yes, and you would. If you went to the college football playoff, you would. Uh, Confucius say, he who keep hand in pocket. I can't read that. Come on, guys. You can't, can't read those important, un- uh, terrible things in there. Uh, my man Chan says, uh, met expectations if and only if they make the Big 12 championship game. However, many too, clo- too many close go- shave games. The fact they haven't gotten the short yardage, red zone, secondary communication, secondary coverage resolved is a concern. There's plenty of concerns, and I think every one of these teams would. I think if you follow any one of these teams, uh, they will. Uh, you see, you start to see the problems. You start to see where the issues are, and then in reality, these teams start to get away with it. Also, no one, you know, none of these coaches are getting fired in the Big Twelve right now. No one's, you know, there's some other conferences where it seems to be a little bit more tumultuous. But I think the Big 12 is kind of in the holding pattern of Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. They're going to be doing their new thing. It just seems like a weird kind of season for Big 12 that no one's going to lay off the quit. But that's partially what I talked about earlier. Sark has to put his foot on the throat at halftime and come out of the half and go aggressive after the half. Go to attack the quarterback on the defensive end. Go attack downfield. Run like Don't keep settling for just holding on to the ball. You have to take some risk in that second half 
to shut down this team. If you're going to let him in one way or the other, might as well take some risk and, and go for it. Uh, and I appreciate my man, Chief Engineer, asking uh, the, the YouTube handle that we're talking about that is back uh, that at the Horn Austin. At the Horn Austin, I believe, uh, is where you'll be able to find us. So let me look on my phone one more time because I, I get this wrong and I'm not good at these things. At the Horn Austin. At the Horn Austin is where you want to be uh, to find uh, all of our YouTube. And you can come see uh, my my very white with light face on the YouTube stream in our new studios. Uh, but appreciate you guys. All right. So texts are still coming in. We're going to read some more of those texts. 512-447-3776. We try to get to everybody's text before we get off the air. Uh, we really do. I promise we always try to. So we'll try and get to that uh, as well. But I do want to bring up some a couple things that have happened in the news. If you watched the Monday Night Football last night, I feel sorry for you. I watched pieces of it. I did not watch it all. I went and walked my dog, and I felt like it was a better use of my time uh, than watching the Broncos and the Bills. We can say the Broncos now have won their last three straight. Russell Wilson's playing a little bit better. Sean Payton seems like he's starting to affect his change. The the complete dread and horror for Denver Broncos fans and and the Denver Broncos people, the staff who had spent so much money is maybe waning a bit as they get the win 24-22 over the Bills on Monday night. Then maybe there's a little bit more hope. There's going to be some those games that were give me games for teams like the Texans playing the Broncos. You know, those are those now become uh, different games. They're playing the Vikings next week. The Broncos are. If the Broncos beat the Vikings, you know, this is all of a sudden that Broncos team is right back in the thick of, okay, this is not a dead team. This is not the worst team in football. So Sean Payton, as much as he was getting a lot of crap early in the season, I, did, I do think he bit off more than he could chew. I think he wasn't prepared for how crazy it was going to be. I don't think he knew how insane it was going to be to get to get to where he needed to be. I don't think he knew how far the gap was, and he thought he could do it a little bit easier, but he's getting there. So so I, I'll give him credit on that one. The Bills, on the other hand, you know, this is something uh, that we've talked about over, you know, over the last couple of years, I mentioned, that I don't know how much longer Sean McDermott can stay there in Buffalo. And I, you know, I, I don't like to be part of the media that is on the just fire the coach, just fire the coach. But once you get through a certain amount of time with the head coach and he's not able to get over that hump and then you start to slide back down the hill, that's where it feels like the Buffalo Bills are right now. They're 5-5. Five and five. The defense is, instead of getting better, getting more aggressive. And those two are not necessarily the same thing. They're going for a lot of plays, and they're getting beat over the top. They're getting beat behind. And so they fire Ken Dorsey. Uh, he is the... He, he kind of came up as a quarterback's coach and everything with the Buffalo Bills, moved all up. He gets the the axe, and this is mainly because one of Brian Dayball's great accomplishments when he was the offensive coordinator with the, with the, the Bills was that Brian Dayball was able to get Josh Allen to limit his interceptions and limit his turnovers whether that's working with Josh Allen on what he's seeing, whether it's going through film every week with Josh Allen and really working on that, whether it's designing plays where he gives him less of a shot. And, and how many times in a Brian Dayball offense, you watch Gabe Davis break wide open. Now, uh, trading for Stephon Diggs was huge, but Diggs is still there, and he's throwing these interceptions. So something had to change. Joe Brady gets his second shot uh, as the offensive coordinator. Joe Brady, if you remember, was the offensive coordinator of that LSU team where a lot of people said uh, Ed Orgeron wasn't doing as much, that he was, you know, 
that he may not have been the guy defensive coach. And then, and then Joe Brady goes, gets that job at the Panthers. That's where he decided to go and gets basically thrown under the bus by Matt Rule in that situation. So now he is being we're coming in for a guy who got thrown on the bus for Sean McDermott's mess, and Joe Brady gets his second shot. We will see if Joe Brady has the ability to do anything or if it was just that, you know, in reality, that team, that LSU team, had Joe Burrow, who's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They had Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, which is insane. If that if an NFL team had that, that LSU lineup now, they, you know, they probably wouldn't love Clyde Edwards Lair. But other than that, that passing game would be electric. So we don't know how much of it's Joe Brady, how much of it was Joe Burrow, Justin Jefferson, and Jamar Chase. But we do know that that's the way, and we'll see if the Bills are able to kind of corral Josh Allen to still be a great player, but then harass, you just get him a little bit further back. Get him, get him, get him corralled back to not have as many turnovers because the turnovers for these Bills team is through the roof. It is a problem. Uh, for Cowboys news, uh, Leighton Vanderesh, it was said today that his season, he will not return this season from injury. Uh, the injury is worse than thought. His recovery is not going the way, and there is some talk that he may not even play football ever again, that this may be a career-ending injury for Leighton Vanderesh. So it is an issue uh, for Cowboys fans. This is a depth issue. Uh, you've been doing okay without him in the interim, so you're going to have to keep filling in that hole. But a big shot for the Cowboys today when Leighton Vanderesh uh, was – diagnosed with not being able to come back this season. Uh, Going over to the NBA. There is a matchup in the NBA, which is going to start here in about 10 minutes, that it's on TNT. So if you want to watch this game, it's going to be a matchup that we are, that most media and everybody's looking at it as this could be a matchup that will be a generational matchup for the next decade, decade plus. Spurs versus Thunder, Wimby versus Holmgren. I want to give you how close their stats are so far this season. And now, right now, I'll be honest, Asur Thomas up there in Detroit may actually be winning this Rookie of the Year competition. He is putting up crazy numbers. He looks really good with Monty Williams, but we'll see how that continues. We're 10 games in, so both uh, Wimanyama and Chet Holmgren have played 10 games this season. Holmgren is at 16.4 points per game. Wimby is at 19.7. When we get into the rebounds, Holmgren has 7.6. Wimby has 8.8. So we're getting a little closer. Then when it gets really crazy, the 2.6 to 2.5 assists for two of them, 0.9 uh, steals per game for 1.1 steals per game, uh, 2.3 blocks per game for the 2.4 blocks per game. Just crazy similar stats between these two guys. Now your biggest difference are going to be two things. One, Wimby, all right, Holmgren is shooting the ball at a much higher clip. He is shooting at 54% to Wimby's 44%, so that's a big difference right there. And also, SGA and Giddy are on this Oklahoma City team, and that is going to put him in a better position where he doesn't have to be the guy, whereas in San Antonio, he's kind of being put in that position, especially when Vassell went down with injury, and Keldon Johnson can do some big things, but I don't know if he's that guy either. So Wimby has to be the guy, which means he's taking some more shots, and at points they're not going down when teams are playing pretty physical with him. Teams with defensive-minded head coaches that are going to get in there and try and get in his grill. He's having a little bit more trouble in those games so far this season. That'll come with time to learn how to play through it. They, they were showing footage of uh, Manu Ginobili working with him in practice. But you can see this Texas team is going to – the Spurs team is going to continue to grow with Wimby around it. The problem that we're finding, Trey Jones has had some injuries. Devin Vassell has had some injuries. 
This team is not very deep. They have a lot of players, but they're not players that can carry the game when the stars are on the bench. So when Vassell is on the bench and Wimby's on the bench and Kellen's on the bench, there's guys that the passing the ball slows down, the shot percentage goes down, and the defense goes way, way, way down. So they're taking not great shots. The ball's coming back down on the other end, and they're just not able to compete at that level. So it's it's still going to be a work in progress for the Spurs. They've gotten blown out in some of these games where when the starting lineup isn't able to get in the lead and the starting lineup gets down, by the time the bench comes in, it's just out of reach, and the Spurs bench doesn't have the depth. But it'll be a fun game tonight against the Thunder, who are a few years ahead of the Spurs, again, when they have SGA, who they've traded for. They have Giddy on this team. Lou Dort is a really good player, a defensive player on this team as well, going to be going up against Devin Vassell. That'll be a fun matchup to watch. But Wimby versus Holmgren is going to be good TV to watch. This is the first regular season matchup of the two. They match up in preseason. It was a lot of fun to watch. This will be the first regular season matchup of the two. I recommend tuning in. It's at 6.30 today on TNT. The game following that will be Clippers and Nuggets which we get to see that the Clippers have not won a game. They're 0-5 since trading for James Harden. Everybody is freaking out. I don't know if it's going to be the end of the world, but it is going to be a problem that having two ball stoppers in Westbrook and Harden that both like to initiate and can both do good things, but both of them kind of doing the same thing and not necessarily wanting to play hard defense. The steals category being the biggest misnomer in NBA. It's the most annoying category in the NBA for people who think that guys who have a lot of steals are really good defensive players. They're usually really lazy NBA defensive players because they don't want to square up. They don't just want to play basketball face straight at the basket. They don't want to they don't want to get in defensive stance and fight it out. They want to jump lanes and go try and play offense again. It's a it's a really misnomer category that a lot of guys will go, that's a great like Allen Iverson has a lot of steals. It's not because he was a great defensive player. It was because he wanted to play offense so bad that he would take the ball back. Now there's there's pluses to that, but also if you have three steals in the game and allowed 40 points, you, you know, it's not evening out. It's not evening out. Uh, also tonight, Mavericks and Pelicans are playing. Uh, Mavericks are 8-2 and two so far in the season. Doncic, 32 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 8.5 assists per game. is just dominating right now. But the big thing that's happening for the Mavs this season was an offseason acquisition of Grant Williams. He's shooting 50% from three. That right there, if you get a tough guy who wants to play defense or Jason Kidd can step in there, what they wanted Maxi Kleba to be last year, but you got a much better version of that in Grant Williams, shooting 50% from three. Now, if you can add that in with Derek Lively continuing to progress, and then it's just can Luka Doncic stay in there and he, can his usage rate, can you find ways to get Kyrie a little bit more involved at part of the season and let Luka get a few more minutes rest to keep him healthy and keep him pushing throughout the season? That, I think, is going to be a big part for this Mavericks team as the season goes on if you want to be able to compete in the postseason and continue to go on. But right now, this Mavericks team looks really good, and a big part of it is the guys they acquired, Derek Lively and Grant Williams, those other pieces for their starting lineup, are playing at a really high level right now. I think they may try and go out and try and get somebody else because if you want to say Luka and and Kyrie and Grant and 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 Derek Lively look really good. I feel like you may need that one last piece in there, a veteran piece, may be able to come in and help out there. I don't know who it is yet. That'll be middle of the season when you see that acquisition being made, but I could see them trying to sign somebody or bring somebody in who may be able to fill that role. Reggie Bullock is a guy who was on this team before, may come in and be able to get, you may be able to find him and get him back. That would be a big acquisition for the Mavs. 
There's some NBA talk for you, too. Text line's still open, 512-447-3776. I want to get back to the text line when we come back from break. Uh, right here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com, and back on YouTube. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons on The Horn. Sports Complex on a Tuesday afternoon, playing interesting covers all week long. This is the band Steel Panther, who I've seen live many times, doing Backstreet Boys. I want it that way. Good stuff. Good stuff right there. They're not all bad. I like this cover of that song. I prefer it to Backstreet Boys, but that's that's just me. That's just me. Text lines up at 512-447-3776. If you guys want to chime in, got anything else you want to hit before we get to the end of the show today? By the way, college football playoff rankings normally coming out during the show. They're coming out after the show today uh, because there's college basketball on ESPN. So normally when they would do the show, there's a big college basketball. Uh, right now is Duke and Michigan State playing. I believe they're tied up right now. So that is happening at between the two games. So around 8 o'clock tonight, we will get the new college football playoff rankings. I don't believe anybody in Texas has any hopes of moving up any more than six. You may drop down. The debate with with Alabama is raging. Alabama fans are upset that Texas is not winning close, and Alabama's doing everything great, and there's no reason why Alabama shouldn't be the number one team in the country. You just tell Alabama fans. This is simple. You beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. You're good. You'll pass Texas then. That's easy. You beat Georgia, you pass Texas. Like that, there's no, that's a no-brainer. So that's all you got to do. We don't need to debate this. We don't need to worry about that as much. For Texas, they don't have as much. They don't have it as lucky because they just don't. They Texas is unfortunately not in a position to have another big game this season where they're going to be able to move up in that ranking and have that big one. Alabama has it. You're good to go. If you Georgia wins out, you you went out. You go play. Then there's a good chance you could have two SEC teams in there. It'd be better than Ohio State. I know I've, I've beaten this drum enough, but I do not believe Ohio State is near the top best team in the country. I think they have a lot of a lot of political pull. They're pulling some BS. They beat a Penn State team that once again lost to Michigan. Not a shocker. That a Notre Dame team that has lost a few games now. That's their two big wins. If they lose to Michigan, I don't think they should be in the college ball playoff. That's just me. I think there should be one Big Ten team in there because that conference is not that great. I'd say one Big Ten team gets in, but Ohio State's probably going to find a way to campaign their way in and then lose again. 
Let's take a spot from somebody else who deserves it more. Uh, this texter says, Texas is Texas this year's TCU. They're finding ways to win games, but they're really not going to compete except for maybe an ex- uh, ex- exceptional game in the playoff. Most likely someone will step up and knock them out pretty good. I get the thing. Again, TCU was comebacks. Texas is ahead and not closing out games. There is a pretty big difference, and I know it doesn't seem like it, but you like to be able to play really great in the fourth quarter because that's what everybody sees last. You want to finish strong, but Texas is actually playing pretty good games, and they played everybody to them. They played everybody. They haven't played anybody where they are the ones down and getting beat. TCU had to come back a lot. It ran out against K-State in in the Big 12 championship game. You don't want to see that for Texas either. Texas is who we thought they were, and they let us off the hook. <laughs> Good stuff there from now, I believe. But it's Dennis Green, right? Dennis Green? Uh, does the Brooks loss make Sark more aggressive with Quinn and ultimately help keep the foot on the gas? The question there is, Texter, I will say uh, I think it depends on Quinn's arm health because I don't know how healthy Quinn's arm is. It did not look like it was healthy in the second half of that game last night. Uh, Chan asking, is that a... Uh, <laughs> Is that a fridge to your back left? Yes, there is a fridge here in the studio now. We have a little uh, mini fridge back there. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, do we hire Dave Aranda if he's let go from Baylor? I do not believe so. I think Dave Aranda would go somewhere else. I don't. I mean, and also he would be, you know, I don't think Pete Kwiatkowski is going anywhere right now. This this Texas defense does still have its strong points. You getting the recruits, as long as you're still getting those top recruits, I don't know if you need to change coaching. Uh, I know it's a cl- fun, clever thing to do, but it doesn't always work. So I think that if you've seen what Sark is doing, uh, then I, I don't know if he's – he seems like he's sticking by his guys. So unless PK leaves and, like, USC hires PK, then maybe you have that conversation. If there's an opening, you may take it, but I don't know if any of that's going to happen. Same old take. Opening script is usually really successful, but we can't pause – or possibly worse – uh, won't make aggressive halftime adjustments like most of our opponents' coaches continue to do. And what the hell is on that halftime locker room playlist? <laughs> no, anyway, that's the thing. Is the half- they do make halftime adjustments. They just make crappy ones. Thank you, Ram Texter number 69. They make crappy ones. They He said in the postgame uh, that he was, I just wanted to run the ball in the second half. I wanted to run the ball. I didn't want to turn it over. I wanted to run the ball. I wanted to run the ball. And it didn't work. It didn't work. And now it may have worked better if Jonathan Brooks was still in there, but it didn't work. Damn it, people! We're 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 imperfect. Nine and one with an upward trajectory, long way from what we have endured since '09. Hook'em, CBA, Scott. That's what I'm saying. I for me, if you said before the season that this is where we'd be at, I'd say we'd be doing pretty good. I'm not happy about the last couple games and how they finished either, but I'd be pretty happy with where we're at. And chief engineer to Alabama fans, uh, uh, something you you lost the game head to head. I agree, but if you beat Georgia, you're ahead of us. That's just the way, because then you beat Georgia. And in my mind, if anybody beats Georgia, Brock Bowers is back now, came back, didn't sit out the rest of the season, came back, is playing again. If you beat Georgia right now, I, 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 how about I hand it to you? Texas, you, you, you're playing great football. I'll give it to you. If you beat Georgia, I don't think you're going to. But if you do, you're good to go. Uh, I do want to play some sound. I'm hooking up with Ian Rob B. Text line still open 512-447-3776. If you got any last words you want to put in there, I want to play some sound from Hook'em Up, though, real quick. Uh, talking some Dallas Cowboys, uh, Rob Babers breaks down some of what the Texas Coast offense evolution is from Hook'em Up this morning. All right, uh, let's get into the Dallas Cowboys just a little bit because uh, um, the last 
three or four games. Since the bye week, the Cowboys have really hit their stride offensively. I mean, they outgained the Giants by 468 yards. Uh, that was the largest total uh, yardage difference in an NFL game in 44 years. <laughs> yeah, 44 years. Really long time since a team whipped, some, whipped a team that thoroughly. And the Cowboys, we talked about how antiquated the Tex Coast offense looked uh, prior to the bye week. That they just didn't have, it didn't have a really a, a modern feel to it. There were a lot, like it was a lot of things it was lacking, like, you know, pre-snap motion, uh, bunch formations. These are, these are things that Longhorn fans know all about because I bring them up all the time because I track them for Texas's offense. But they're just modern cheat codes. And I always say this about Sark's offense. Sark's offense is just an amalgamation of cheat codes. It's, just, it's, a, it's a gumbo of cheat codes and force multipliers. And what Sark likes to do is basically Sark likes to combine them um, all together, uh, throw as many cheat codes and force multipliers in one play as, as, as possible and almost overload the circuitry, overload the central nervous system of a defense, force them to make a mistake. So he'll use pre-snap motion and then that's the play action pass thrown in there and some misdirection with the bunch formations. And it's just it's a lot for the defense to process. That's what he's trying to do. And it's 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 makes sense. Uh, the Cowboys were lacking a lot of those just modern cheat codes within their offense, and I brought it up during the bye week, and one of my suggestions was, hey, man, y'all need to use more cheat codes. It, I don't know exactly how much it will improve the Tex Coast offense, but I said you got to use more pre-snap motion. you got to use more bunch formations. These are simple things. Bunch, Texas has a, a tough time d- defending bunch formations. Why? Because you cannot reroute and redirect wide receivers. It forces you to play on your heels as a DB. You can't be aggressive, otherwise you're going to get picked or rubbed. All right? So you got to play off, and you have to read and react to routes rather than redirect and rather than reroute. And that's tough because a DB, if you react too late, guy's open. So you basically automatically have to give the receiver space. It creates an easy free release for the wide receiver. Cowboys weren't doing that. It's like, why are you making the receivers work harder instead of working smarter? So um, the Cowboys ranked 25th in bunch formation rate and three-by-one formation rate. That's trips to one side, single receiver to the other side prior to the bye week. Since the bye week, so we talked about they had, to, they had to modernize that offense. They ranked 13th in bunch formation. So from 25th to 13th, and since the bye week, they also ranked 15th in three-by-one sets, and they were 25th prior to the bye week. So it's getting better, all right? They're starting to use more and more modernized formations, modernized sets, just easy cheat codes, uh, pre-snap motions and shifts. We talked about this. They were middle of the road, and if you look at uh, motion at the snap, they were actually bottom of the league in motion at the snap. They were ranked uh, 14th in pre-snap motions and shift um, prior to that bye week. Since the bye week, the Cowboys ranked eighth or top 10 in shift and motion rate um, prior to the bye week. Like I said, they were 14th. Um, the Cowboys offense now, it's not a coincidence. Now, I'm not saying that this was the, the only reason that the Cowboys offense improved. No, it improved for, I think, a number of reasons. Um, that's one of them, though. They are modernizing the offense more. And also part of that rant prior to the bye week, I said, listen, they, they got to start – you know, force-feeding the football to CeeDee Lamb. And they're doing that with these concepts. When they run three-by-one sets, they're basically putting CeeDee Lamb on the single-receiver side, forcing the defense to go, okay, you want to double what right right now is a receiver playing like the best receiver in football? Because <laughs> that would make sense. Do you have a cornerback that can play 
man-to-man up against CeeDee Lamb? If you do, then great, good for you. You must have an all-pro corner. But if you don't have an all-pro corner, then CeeDee Lamb is going to eat that DB alive, whoever he is, because they got a lot of space to work with in those three-by-one sets. CeeDee Lamb last three games, 34 receptions, 500 receiving yards, four total touchdowns, 17 receptions for 15-plus yards. Remember, round the bye week, he's complaining. I need the ball more. I need the ball more. I'm open. And remember, I came on and boom, I, I essentially, I, I, re, I retweeted that. I quote tweeted that. I second that emotion right, from CeeDee Lamb and said, you got to give him the ball more. All the metrics say CeeDee Lamb is, is, is playing like an all-pro wide receiver. And right now, only A.J. Brown and Tyreek Hill, you probably could say, are better right now at, at the wide receiver position in the NFL. And he's giving them a run for their money. He's the only receiver in NFL history now with at least 10 catches and 150 receiving yards in three straight games. The last three games since they've modernized the offense and you're seeing that big Dak energy and Dak playing like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And so when they go three by one, you got to make your choice, right? It's a, it, it's you. You pick your poison. You want to double CD Lamb, then they're going to win the numbers advantage on the trip side. Well, you can roll, roll your coverage and you can, you know, obviously win the numbers advantage with the trips and try to have be four on three over there. All right. Four defenders to their three wide receivers. But then you're going to lose the numbers advantage on the CeeDee Lamb side and your guy's going to be one on one. And CeeDee Lamb is going to feast over the last four games, 41 receptions, 51 targets, 620 yards and 27 first downs. He's six of seven on contested catches. 3.88 yards per route run and 22 plays of 15-plus yards over the last four games. It's unbelievable. And going to get to my point about when he's left in man coverage, how about this? Dak Prescott, um, in that last game versus the Giants, he was 12 of 18 against man coverage for 200 yards and three touchdowns. The Cowboys are now forcing teams all right, to a manipulating match, as I say, and forcing teams to play uh, CeeDee Lamb man-to-man or you can double them. And that's why right now, Dak Prescott leads the NFL in NFL, yard, NFL in yards and touchdown passes and passer rating and success rate versus man coverage because they're manipulating matchups now across the board. I, I, I love what they're doing with the modernized concepts. Like I said, we, we weren't seeing this, and I was thinking to myself, I'm watching the Cowboys offense and thinking to myself, the Texaco offense is a 1980s offense. Uh, but now it looks like a 21st century offense. Going back to the pre-snap motion stuff versus San Fran, they had 39% uh, pre-snap motion rate. Um, with, against the Giants, it was at 61%. So they, they figured it out. The, he's figuring out, okay, you know what, just throw cheat codes in the offense, and it'll help everybody. The run game is next to try to infuse some juice into the run game. But I'm not going to say fix the offense, the passing offense, but – Right now, the passing offense is looking like one of the more explosive passing offenses in the NFL. It's because they finally modernized it, E, and they got out of the, the, the antiquated text coast version of that offense. Yeah, well, and uh, good analysis by you to, to see what needed to happen, and now they need to get the run game going. They do. Uh, because as we talked about with Tony Romo declaring the Lions a Super Bowl contender. Now, when the, when the Lions get rolling, um, their offense is as good as anybody's because they got David Montgomery back last week, Rod, to go with Jameer Gibbs, oh, yeah, and they both man. scored touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it was impressive what they do offensively. Now, Brandon Staley needs to be fired with the Chargers because they it's just time. got destroyed. It's time. Anytime they match up with a versatile offense, it gets get, they, they get wiped out. Yep. Uh, they've got a lot of talent on that Chargers defense. but So the Lions are good, but their defense is also susceptible still to a shootout like we saw. Niners, really good. 
um, you know, when they're, when they're complete. And then there's the Eagles, who we'll see coming off their bye week. Uh, question there is how healthy can Jalen Hurts get this year, right, yep. with that knee. Agreed. Uh, but, man, it's those four. It's those four in the NFC. One of those, is there any doubt one of those four will be in the Super Bowl this year? I mean, I don't think there's another team that you can even argue right, that's for. That's what I put my money on. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's another team that right now even crosses my mind that could do it. It would be a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, and the Niners might be a notch above, but, you know, as we know with them, it's about health big picture. I mean, can they stay healthy? If they keep everybody together, they are the team, especially with the acquisition of Chase Young to play opposite Boza and rush the passer with that talent on defense. They're going to be tough. But Cowboys, again, if they, if they improve the running game, I don't know if that's possible at this point, but if they can, they certainly can be in that conversation because, uh, but, but here's the problem for teams. This is one of the things I think Romo was kind of bullish on. In that division, if they keep piling up wins, Rob, they're going to have home field. And you're going to have to go through Detroit, potentially. That would be crazy. Right? <laughs> I can't even imagine that. Because they're – and, and I, I think most people expect the Vikings will fade with this Josh Dobbs thing at some yeah. point. Uh, it's been an amazing run with Kevin O'Connell, but they'll, they'll fade. Yeah, that's no staying And power. so now you have a division that includes the Vikings, the, the Bears, and the uh, uh, and Packers, who are not good. Whereas, you know, the, the Niners are going to be in a dogfight with the Seahawks. Oh, yeah. uh, Kyler Murray's now back for Arizona. Cowboys have to deal with Philadelphia. Um, so, you know, that home field thing, because they're sitting at 7-2, and two, uh, the, the, the Detroit Lions. E- Eagles are 8-1. and one. So that'll be something to follow here November into December and who gets that top seed in the NFC. Good stuff there from Hook Up with Ian Rob B. We've got to take our last break of the show. We wrap th- Back to wrap things up here on the Sports Complex on the Horn 1019 AM 1260, the Horn app, and hornfm.com. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons only on the Horn. Appreciate everybody hanging out with us today on the show. Appreciate everybody on the text line. You guys always drive the show. I just try to keep it on the rails. You guys, awesome on there as always. We'll be back tomorrow. Start to get ready for Iowa State. See how this uh, this Wimby versus Holmgren duel goes for the rest of the game. We'll see what else happens in the NBA and college basketball. Uh, Texas women's basketball plays today. Texas men's basketball plays tomorrow. So we'll talk about both those games tomorrow as well. But until then, be kind, be safe, keep your underwear clean, and we will see you right back here tomorrow, 5 o'clock, on the Sports Complex on the Hornets.